Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan men's basketball team lost in stunning fashion to Indiana to open the Big Ten Tournament. Now the Wolverines have to sweat it out until Selection Sunday. Jim Harbaugh and a few Michigan football players spoke this week, and we have the latest. That and more coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here back in Ann Arbor a little earlier than uh, Michigan fans wanted me to be um, here on, on Friday morning, March 11th. So let's get right into it. Michigan lost 74-69 to Indiana on Thursday, and that alone wasn't terribly surprising. This was a matchup between the eight and nine seed in the Big Ten tournament. Michigan was a two-point favorite. Michigan had gone win-loss, win-loss for a month and was coming off a win. So fine, Michigan loses. Except Michigan was winning 60-43 to with 11 minutes and two seconds left in the game. And Indiana's NCAA tournament hopes were not on life support. Like They were dead. Like A medical professional declared the time of death at 1.03 p.m. Eastern time, I looked inside Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, okay? And then, and let's just mix up a whole bunch of metaphors here, like the wheels came off, the snowball rolled down the hill, the roof caved in, whatever. Bad stuff happened for the Wolverines. After the shot that put them ahead by 17, they did not make another field goal for 11 minutes and 10 seconds. 13 straight misses, seven turnovers. And suddenly, you know, the Hoosiers are like, well, Michigan, I guess if you really want us to make the NCAA tournament, maybe even take your but we can do that. So they get layups, they get dunks, they hit a couple threes, they get to the free throw line. And because all Michigan has done is make a few foul shots during this time, Indiana turns a 17 point deficit into a seven point lead. And Michigan actually gets a chance at the end, thanks to a 5-0 spurt. But after getting a stop and securing the rebound, they throw it away. 74-69, devastation. Anything else you guys want to add about that? No, I think you covered it all. I got in the car to go to the dealership to get some car, some work done in my car. They're up like 15. I get there, get out of the car. I think they're up like two. And then I watch the end of them. Just, you could tell the body language just wasn't there. They were, you know, uh, flustered, whatever the case, they couldn't make a shot. Couldn't do anything offensively. It was like, it was like a tale of two halves. I mean, tale of like 30 minutes and the final 10 minutes. It was, it was bizarre to watch. It was kind of like you summed it up perfectly. It was stunning. It, it really was quite remarkable. I was working on, on another story and I had the sound on. And once they got up like 17 points, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll mute this so I can focus a little bit more on what I'm working on. And I looked every few seconds or so. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, it's single digits. Oh my God, it's a two, three point game. And then it's like, all right, I got to stop. I got to watch the end of this. And it was, they were just completely, I've never seen a team be that dysfunctional for that long of a stretch in, in crunch time after looking so good in the, in the first half, they were in control of that game for, for, for what, 30, 40 minutes. And then 30, yeah, 30 minutes. And then, yeah, like you said, the wheels came off and that, I mean, if, if their season somehow ends, I mean, that would be quite a, quite a way to, to end the season and and, uh, and it would be a sour taste heading into the off off season for sure you typically see meltdowns like this occasionally especially in college basketball when like a team that is you know greatly inferior to another team maybe get out to a big lead early and then down the stretch they just kind of get whittled away that i mean that just wasn't the case here though this was two teams that were uh, you know essentially even playing field uh like you said they're eight nine seeds two teams that this game was supposed to be expected to be a close one and, and for like 30 minutes michigan down dominated and then it just went it just went south after that it was it was bizarre to watch and they weren't like, even no, give, yeah 
They had no answer for anything. Nothing. And offensively, they weren't even getting any good looks. Like, yeah, they missed 13 straight shots. And it's how many of them were like good looks? Like, oh, at least they got a good opportunity there. Very few possessions. It's like, all right, their their offense is at least getting back on track. Like, it was hard, hard to watch how, how dysfunctional they were with the turnovers and, and lack of... <laughs> lack of cohesiveness on offense. Absolutely. I mean, one, one of those turnovers was a shot clock violation and there were several other where they had to just get it up towards the towards the end of the clock. Your guys experience consuming this game, you know, kind of jives with what I heard from a lot of people in, you know, some of my various phone calls on my on my drive home last night, which was tuning in and out, you know, either because of the score or partly because, you know, it was a strange tip time as 1130 a.m. and people had things to do, you know, just to, to see the lead just dwindle 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 and then and then flip i mean it wasn't like they won at the buzzer either i mean they built a seven point lead with a with a few minutes to go still which was just uh, it just truly truly stunning um you know the backdrop of all of this of course is that it was Jawan howard's first game back as head coach and you got to think he was he was trying you know he used a couple timeouts and was trying to right the ship but it just whatever he was saying wasn't wasn't working they just looked like a team that had had no direction i guess to put the bow on this before we move on to what it means because that's really the most important thing you know as far as what the players and and Juwan said afterwards you know they just said uh, indiana was more physical with them in the second half and and had more energy and and you know just kind of took it to michigan in a way that they hadn't in the first half and that they didn't respond to well i mean not, nothing particularly insightful, nothing like really on the X's and O's front. You know, the fact that Hunter Dickinson was was really a non-factor during that that downfall, you know, not not a good sign. And we have seen that before in games where he just either doesn't get the ball or doesn't isn't getting, you know, looks at the basket at least. So I don't know. It's but again, in the scheme of things, it's what this team has been up, down, up, down. It's just that we've never seen it quite like that within within one game. So what does it mean? Will Michigan make make the NCAA tournament feel like that's the question that everyone is asking? And there's there's just no obvious answer. I mean, I, you know, I wrote a story about this that went up this morning. And like the main point is that, like, you know, if you can't say a team is definitively in, if they're not a lock, well, then they're they're not a lock. They're in a, they're in an uncomfortable spot potentially. And that's where Michigan finds itself. And to a certain extent, they would have been there even if they, you know, beat Indiana and, and lost Illinois. But it, it would have made a big difference. I mean, it, it, for starters, it puts them, you know, would have kept them above you know, that four games above 500 that we've been talking about. And, you know, Michigan is now not that they're 17 and 14. Then it's just, you know, Michigan State got in last year being three games over, but again, did not play a full non-conference schedule because of the pandemic. Probably not a not a useful uh, exception to the, to the rule here. And it's a rule might be the wrong word. It's not a criteria that the NCAA tournament looks at, but it's something that whether they're looking at it or not, that's that's how they've selected teams for this for this event over you know the last 20 some years i mean georgia in 2001 was the last one before michigan state last season uh to earn an invitation an at-large invitation with a sub you know without being you know at least four games over 500 so yeah that's something to look at but if you want to go into the individual brackets joe lenardi as of friday morning still has them in still has them getting a buy into the first round actually um you know two spots away from that playing game cbs sports jerry palm has them out of the field altogether and, and other people have them you know kind of in between or or, or wherever as far as in the playing game or not it's just it's impossible to tell and and things will still shift um over these next few days i i think we're too often prisoners of the moment in situations like this where we put too much value on a win or a loss and in this case obviously we're talking about a loss yep 
And, and obviously, it's I think it's part of the puzzle here in terms of the, the people that are the selection committee that's determining who gets into the tournament, who doesn't. It certainly doesn't help Michigan. But I, at, at the end, I think it's going to come down to how the committee kind of values the Big Ten as, as a conference as a whole, because Michigan does have some decent wins, some good wins that they've got some, some not so great wins as well. So I think it's going to come down to a, how the rest of these conference tournaments, as you just kind of hinted at, shake out and how these bubble teams do in their respective conference tournaments. If you, if a couple of them make a run here and either, you know, you know, get to their championship or whatever the case may be, that's certainly going to hurt Michigan. But I, I don't know, you know, I, I, a few days ago we were talking about Michigan's chances and, you know, I think I asked, you know, what a, you know, what a win guarantee get, probably put them in. And I, I do, I believe that, you know, but at the same token, you know, at the same token, you're thinking, does a loss hurt their chances or potentially knock them out? And I think there's there's a there's a real there's a real chance here it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we do all we have to remember that this is just one game in the in the grand scheme of things. And Michigan's resume is is decent. And in right now, currently, I think the Big Ten's considered obviously one of the better conferences in the, in the nation. So if the committee values the Big Ten, you know, like we think they do, Michigan could get in. But if we see some teams make some runs here in the next couple of days, you know, the, the tides could certainly shift. At the same time, though, when you're getting nine, 10 teams in the tournament from the same conference, I mean, to me, that just seems like too many. Like It, it just uh, what's the point of conference play then? If you know, like, all right, I could finish ninth or 10th in the Big Ten, win a game or two in the tournament and still get in. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I feel like for a real postseason field, you should be able to have to win, finish pretty high in the conference and, and win a couple of games in the tournament. But yeah, like you said, Michigan has played. A, a tough non-conference schedule, but I'm curious to th- th- uh, see Andrew if w- what sh- would it be a viewing or a rooting guide for for Michigan fans for for the rest of the this weekend because obviously there's a lot of moving parts and I'm sure fans want to know like all right who do we have to root for now to possibly uh, help our chances of, of getting an at-large bid? Yeah, it that that is that is a good question, and you know you just want to avoid those what they call you know bid stealers. So th- those teams can come out of nowhere. We saw it with Georgetown and Oregon State in the major conference conferences last year, and then you know it can happen in you know bids leagues where you know you know one team is going no matter what, and then another team rises up and and, and steals it. Now for the most part, those conferences have wrapped. And and they're safe. Like Murray State won their conference tournament. Loyola Chicago won theirs. So avoided bid thieves there. You know the Atlantic Ten is is kind of interesting because you know there's a few teams. You know, Davidson's probably probably in, but like outside of that, there's actually a few that are kind of in, on, on the bubble. You know Dayton and, and VCU among them. So it's like if another team, if if all those teams won at least a couple of games, but then like. St. Bonaventure wins the the A10 like that could that could be problematic for for Michigan but then you've got you've got you got Indiana for example I mean that was kind of what made yesterday a, a double whammy to a certain extent is that you know Indiana is now p- potentially going to p- play itself into this field Dayton Virginia Tech Oklahoma like those those are probably the top teams that are that that you're hoping um lose cuz they're kind of moving up the line and then there's you know teams that are around Michigan you know Notre Dame already lost but uh, Creighton. It, it's just it's so it's so hard to say exactly you know which teams will like exactly be competing with, but that's a that's a good list to to start with. But you know, you guys mentioned and and, and Ryan, I don't disagree with you. I don't think Michigan fans are going to want to hear this, but like to me, I've always been a fan of more of the smaller conference schools, you know, versus yeah, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth team from a, a major conference. But we'll see how it shakes out. This is the age old debate with the with the final spots for the NCAA tournament. It's it often comes down to about basically a 500 team from a major conference versus, you know, a team that only lost five or six games, maybe uh, total 
from from a smaller conference. And, and you can look at you can look at this resume. And I mean, the thing is, like, it's not a scientific process. So you know, you're going to hear the the chairman, you know, on 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 CBS on Sunday night talk about these last teams that were either in or out, and he's going to highlight the strengths of their resume for the teams that get in. And he's going to point out some of the the weaknesses from the teams that didn't get in. And, you know, you guys know this very well from the college football playoff, you know, selection show every week. Like that's, that's kind of what they do. They sort of cherry pick, you know, what, what applies to the teams that they eventually chose and, and didn't, and didn't choose. So, you know, for Michigan, you would say, oh, they have, they have five wins, you know, against quad one, they avoided, you know, really bad losses. They're nine and one, you know, against quads three and four. Their strength of schedule overall, and this is a big one, is fifth in the country, um, which, you know, can kind of explain the overall poor record a little bit. You know, they won five, five and seven in, in true road game. So that's the good. Like the bad is that they got a lot of cracks at, at top games. So they they have five wins against quad one. They have 10 losses. So like that winning percentage is not really anything special when compared to some of these other bubble teams. But, you know, some of those teams are only like, you know, two and three or something like that. They just didn't have the opportunities. But yeah, it's the the strength of schedule will, will definitely help offset, you know, the fact that they're not four games over 500, for example. And again, that's not that's not a straight rule. I think it's it more speaks to teams that are not at least four games over 500 often don't just have the other metrics needed to get in. It's going to come down, I think, whether the committee rewards Michigan for playing a, di- a difficult schedule or, you know, that comes back to bite them. And I think some of that goes back to obviously the, the strength of the Big Ten this year. But yeah, Sunday is going to be fascinating. I, I think Michigan certainly probably going to be one of the, if they do get in, they'll be one of the, probably the final few. But yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I I tend to think they're going to get in. I, I tend to think mm-hmm. they, they value strength of schedule and I do think they like the Big Ten, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if Michigan's name doesn't get called on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, is that it would not be completely surprising. It, it can't be given what we're, we're, we're looking at here, but I do lean towards them them probably getting in as of now. I mean, we'll see if some crazy things happen these next couple of days and the bubble shrinks, as they say. But it's certainly, it's been a while since Michigan's been in this position. I mean, they were number one seed in last year's event. Uh, the year before that, they they you know didn't have a great season, but they were looking at probably like a seven seed or something uh, before the tournament was was ultimately canceled. You know, the few years before that, um, they were, uh, there was no doubt about it. And they had often earned an automatic bid by winning the conference tournament. So you really have to go back to um, 2016 when they ended up, uh, getting into getting in in the playing game as an 11 seed they won that game against Tulsa before losing to Notre Dame and you have to go back the year before that 2015 uh, the last time they didn't make it at all so this is this is new territory for the men and and that show will start at six o'clock p.m uh, Eastern time on CBS with the women's to follow 8 p.m uh, on ESPN you know nothing's really changed there because games haven't been happening. Uh, but just to remind folks, the Michigan women will almost certainly be a top four seed in their region and therefore be a host for the first couple of rounds. So uh, not too much drama there. Just will be you know interesting to see exactly who they get matched up with and who's in their region and, and things like that. All right. I think I think we've talked enough hoops for now. Uh, there's some football news, too. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, spoke to you guys as well as some players uh, for the first time in a while. You know, I, I was not there. I was I was in Indianapolis in some cases or working on other things. But uh, yeah, what are what are the main takeaways? Uh, a couple. Yeah, a couple news tidbits, I guess. Uh, Jim Harbaugh confirmed for us. J.J. McCarthy is injured. You know, he wouldn't go into too many details about it. Called it lingering arm soreness. Sounds like it's something with his shoulder. Essentially, J.J. is being involved in practice. He's just not throwing, uh, which is interesting because, you know, 
the number one storyline coming in the spring and the offseason was the quarterback competition. So I, I think that's certainly going to affect it to some degree. You know, Cade is is taking first team reps at this point. From all accounts, uh, Alan Bowman is second and Davis Warren, the walk-on is third. Michigan does have a pair of, of two freshmen that, that are involved in practice right now. And I think the number one storyline at this point, it doesn't sound like JJ is going to throw it all this spring and his timeline for his return to throwing is unclear. Uh, Jim was asked on Tuesday when we talked to him about it, didn't give us a ton, um, as you would expect, but they said they've got a, a short-term and a long-term plan for his rehab. So that that is interesting. He didn't go into details about what either one kind of involves, but we'll see what JJ's, I guess, status is this summer. I think it's going to, it's going to tell us a lot about maybe where Michigan's quarterback situation is, you know, going into fall, because remember, you know, Jim is in the past, the last couple of months kind of spoken about this potential sharing of reps between Cade and JJ and Gaines this fall. I think there was this assumption that maybe Michigan was going to give kind of both guys an opportunity to kind of prove themselves, whether it was in camp or actually in games this year, you know, as we saw, both guys got rep, you know, in games last year, you know, Cade, more so than JJ, but JJ's the the the, the you know the, the spring chicken, I guess the, the the young dog, the five the five star recruit, the guy that I think everyone wants to see play at some point. But it certainly sounds like his ascent there has been slowed a little bit at this point. Don't tell Cade McNamara that there's a competition at quarterback because it certainly seems like he thinks he's the number one guy. Yeah, we we talked to him Thursday night. He was very uh, confident. You know, I don't want to say cocky because he was, you know, he was asked these questions. These weren't right. statements. He just came out and, and and declared. You know, he you know he said he's the you know and 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 factly so he said that he was a Big Ten championship winning quarterback and he was. I mean, he was a quarterback when Michigan you know made that improbable run last year. He was the guy, and I think at this point it's safe to call him the front runner at least at least early on for the, the starting job this fall, just because JJ has, is basically unavailable this spring. We, we spoke to Kate at length Thursday night, 15 minutes or so. He said he worked on a lot this, this off season. You know, he worked on his footwork. He's, he thinks he's in better shape. He's sleeping more. He's got more of a rigid schedule, I guess you could call it, trying to become more uh, efficient in his intermediate throws. I think an area he certainly could, could you know, probably grow the moat. Uh, so he's working on a lot of stuff, you know, which I think is a good thing. And it's probably gonna make him more of a dynamic uh, quarterback. But I think that at the end of the day, the, the big unknown with Michigan's offense is kind of how it's going to look this year. You know, last year, we all we all saw them kind of lean on the run game so much. They could probably do that again this year, but will they is a question. They've got a lot of receivers back. And I guess that will dive into the, the second piece of news we got this week. Mike Sanders still, you know, a uh, receiver on, on the team the last couple of years has moved to the secondary. Um, he is now playing kind of a, a corner nickel spot. Sounds like he's still kind of to some degree practicing on both sides of the ball, but he's spending more of his time in the defensive back room, which is interesting because he, he was a two-way player in high school. So he has experience doing it. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, and, and Jim didn't say this, but you know, Michigan, if you count Sandra still among the receivers, they've got 11 scholarship wide receivers in, in, in practice this spring. And that includes Iman Dennis, a defensive back last year who has now shifted the receiver room. So they've got a lot of options there. I, I think they value Mike's speed and ability, and I, I think they look at him kind of, you know, I don't want to say Dax Hill because he's, that's just not fair to him, but like he's playing that kind of nickel spot that, that Dax played last year. I asked him, in fact, last night about it, and he says, yeah, I've been watching film with Dax and kind of his, his tendencies and the like. So those are the two big pieces of news on the Michigan football front. Uh, they, they, are, they are now in week two of spring practice. I think today or yesterday, I think we've been practice eight or nine, or excuse me, five or six. I think 15 of those, so they, they got a long way to go. Was it last year or two years ago, I feel like, when when Josh Gaddis was like kind of – uh, not frustrated, but he was talking about how he's like, yeah, we only have like five or six receivers, scholarship receivers. And he's like, I, I don't like that. I, I want more. And then all of a sudden, like 
one or two years later, they almost have too many, too many in there too. But yeah, it is kind of funny that at center still moved to defense and he's still catching passes from Kate. Yeah. I'm glad you probably forgot about that. You know, he said he would, or Kate told us, I think in fact, Mike was his, uh, the first guy to intercept a pass from him in the spring in spring practice. And I guess he, uh, he let, uh, let Cade know about it afterwards, but seriously, they're, they're friendly. They're good buddies. They get along really well. It's an interesting move. It'd be something to watch here. I don't know if Michael starts. I think that there's a long way to go before they determine that, but I'm certain, I certainly think he's going to get an opportunity. You know, Michigan is, they got some holes to fill in the secondary. You know, they lost both safeties this year. They lost, you know, they lost a starting corner. So there's some hole. They got some bodies back there, but I think a lot of unknowns. So I, I think if Samerson can kind of come in and, and show some playmaking ability, like it sounds like he has so far, uh, he's going to get an opportunity. So that'd be something to watch here as uh, spring rolls into summer. And he, he brings a physical, uh, you know, presence uh, as well. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you pass him on the street, you might not, you know, think, oh, this guy's a Michigan football player, but he, he, he's strong and he's tough. You know, his blocking was was mentioned often by his teammates last year. Obviously, it's a, it's a different thing to be, you know, on the other side of the ball, but it's not it's not terribly surprising that, you know, he would be he would be a choice to to make that move. Um. Yeah. So as, okay, we've got the quarterback competition. We got a position change, but yeah, obviously, uh, you know, there was more, you talked to a couple other players and Harbaugh, Harbaugh kind of spoke, you know, about the, the, the program in general. Yeah. What else, what else did you learn? Yeah. He called it scary. Good. Now, I don't know if this is just kind of like, you know, glamming everything up because he's back and he wants everything back to normal, you know, after his flirtation with the Vikings in the NFL, but he likes what they have and and he should, you know, the offense I think is going to be good, probably very good this year. I think the offensive line could be very good. You have, you know, experience at quarterback. You got a couple of running backs to really like. We just talked about the packed receiver room. So he, he thinks that they're going to be very good. Now, Jim's done this before. You know, I can remember going into the 2019 season, Michigan was picked to win the Big Ten championship, and we went into Big Ten media days, and Jim was asked about it. And he's like, yeah, I'd pick us to win too. He was very cocky and confident about, about the team then, and they go 9-3, nine and 9-4, nine and, nine and, and and kind of don't live up to expectations. But Kay talked about that Thursday night. We asked about them kind of trying to recreate what they were able to do last year, and he made a good point. He, he almost said that trying to you know win a championship a second year in a row is almost more difficult than winning it the first time because they've kind of got the bullseye on their back. And I mean, Michigan typically dozen years every year anyway just because they're Michigan and the program and everything else but it's going to be more so this year I mean you beat Ohio State you won the Big Ten Championship so there'll be a lot of folks coming after them and, and Cade realizes that and I think that kind of is igniting his growth and I think he, he talked about trying to find other leaders on the team and not just him to kind of speak you know vocally speak up so it's going to be interesting to, to follow be you know this offseason is going to be fascinating how they kind of bounce back from some of the losses they took in terms of personnel and, and coaching staff and everything else uh, but it's a fun team uh, it'd be interesting to follow. The, the rest of the spring will be interesting. Spring game, I think we've mentioned this before, but April 2nd at Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor. It's going to be open to the public, so everyone will be able to kind of come in and, and watch. I spent some time in Ohio uh, last weekend, including, you know, on the Ohio State campus for, for a men's basketball game, and the, the fire is burning for, for that fan base after, you know, what happened on the football field, you know, in, in November. Um, so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like, getting to that mountaintop is one thing, but staying there is is another and possibly harder. Um, so that, that that is that is interesting because yes, I can tell you for sure, the Ohio State still still steaming from from what happened and will be will be out for revenge. One, one more note too, I'd be remiss not to mention, uh, Michigan did name their new radio broadcast team a few yep. days ago. Uh, I know we, I think most folks who follow the program knew, uh, you know, Jim Brand, Sander, and Dan Deardorff were had were, you know plans to retire. They did in fact retire. Doug Karsh is now going to handle the play by play on radio, and John Jansen will be the uh, the analyst, which isn't too surprising. Both guys have been on the uh, the, you know, the broadcast 
broadcast for a long time now, both in kind of like sideline analyst roles. John does a fantastic job. He loves the program. He's been around a long time. And Doug, same same goes for him. I mean, he's well entrenched in Michigan football. You know, he should handle it well. They both got, you know, they're both popular in Detroit on sports talk radio stations. So they, uh, Michigan is, you know, they've uh, they found their, their new guys uh, on radio. There you go. So we've got the men te- men's team on the bubble, the women's team awaiting their, their exact fate. We've got McCarthy's got a sore arm, which is giving McNamara a leg up, you might say, in the competition. Good one. Um, <laughs> and more from the Michigan football program. Zook, you got a, you got a hockey update for us here too? Come on. Nope. Next week. I, mean, I, I think we talked about it earlier in the week. Yeah, Michigan-Notre Dame for a semifinal, Big Ten semifinal on Saturday night. So. I'll be there and plenty of coverage throughout the weekend. These gaps between games. I can't, well, what is it already? With yeah. And then, and then the championships the following Saturday. So it's yeah. like, I mean, come on now. Like they play, play two games every weekend through the regular season. And then they yeah. get to the big 10 tournament and it's like, yeah, there's the semifinal and, and championships one week apart, but they also start their conference tournament a week earlier than, than most other conferences too. So I, that's part of it. But I mean, yeah, they definitely could make some adjustments, but. Oh, well, it's almost like they could have played a couple of extra regular season games and moved the tournament back a week, like you said, but whatever. It's what it is. All right. Exciting times here. We'll have full coverage of all of this, including Selection Sunday coming up this Sunday, March 13th. Stay tuned for that. And thank you for listening.